My next guest on Tea Time with me, Ali Monjak, is Gary Polson, Director of the Volunteer Centre West Berkshire, who has served his local community in Berkshire most of his life. Gary shares his experiences as Mayor of Newbury and meeting Her Majesty the Queen, as well as working to help locals get through a global pandemic. It was World Mental Health Day on Saturday, the 10th of October, and Gary is a huge advocate of helping people with their mental health. Let's find out more. Gary, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. How are you today? Well, I love a cup of tea, Ali, thanks. I'm great. <laughs> I know you do, and you love to dunk biscuits as well, don't you? I do, yeah. I'm a world champion at that, actually, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you're very well known. I mean, uh, we all know you as, um, well, get it out with Gary. We know you as Gary the Mayor. You've certainly definitely had a very interesting life. And also Gary, the head or the hub of the community in many ways here at the Volunteer Centre, because you help out so many people, don't you, in regards to you know, charities and voluntary work and just making your, the sort of hub that, that keeps the community going round, I think. Well, I, I, I think not just me. I think one or two others get involved as well, really. But I think my, my philosophy, really, if it is a philosophy, it's just a, a genetic one. I was born in the, um, in the Potteries, Newcastle under Lyme, and a um, long time ago, um, just after the middle of last century and um, it, you know where we're from people in the potteries are naturally outgoing and we're very friendly I, I genuinely think that they're friendliest people on earth and uh, so I brought that down uh, when I was at school uh, my dad mum and dad moved to Newbury dad worked at Aldermaston and I just found I got on well with people but I think it was nothing more than because I'm a potter really and uh, you know and we're just very outgoing we don't make appointments to go and see people you just knock on the door and go in I mean that's really and, and I think that's really what community participation is about it's just getting involved with people not because it's worthy or something that one should do and you know it's just a natural thing to get involved in your own community and have a stake in it really and so that's my genetic philosophy uh, in life and it's just taken me down this interesting path. I have had a very interesting rich life so far. You have definitely. So Gary do tell us all then when was did you very first volunteer? I was um, 15 uh, and it was for the RAC ACU training scheme which is the Royal Automobile Club Autocycle Union. And at Newbury Racecourse, they had uh, a bunch of fantastic volunteers who were teaching young people, mainly lads, but some girls as well, to, to ride motorcycles safely. That was before you at, went out onto the road. So I, I did my RAC ACU uh, a training certificate there to prepare me for the road. And I also became a volunteer helper. I just loved it so much and made some great friends, actually. So it was a question of going down to the racecourse on a Wednesday night and helping other young people actually to learn to ride motorbikes safely. And I just loved it. And again, I didn't think of it as volunteering. It was just something that was really good to do and just really interesting to do. Sounds like fun, actually, a, a more than anything fun. else. Yeah, riding BSA Bantams, and that will mean something to some of your uh, listeners and viewers, but uh, <laughs> nothing to, to the younger ones. But, but yeah, it was a great way of actually being in a safe environment and learning from some really, really experienced uh, motorcyclists. And we had people 
uh, you know, sort of pl local policemen, you know, police motorcyclists were involved, mechanics, we had engineers and scientists actually all wanting to impart, you know, road safety actually. And also, importantly, maintenance of motorbikes as well. It wasn't just riding them, it was right. how to adjust the, the chain, how to change the oil what the difference was between a two-stroke engine and a four-stroke engine, all these sorts of things. So it just gave me a real sort of a, a good grounding in, in, in motorcycle and, and, and being safe. Yeah, the rev Absolutely. that you needed. The to... rev I needed, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to get on. Oh, yeah. I know that, that sounds amazing. So, I mean, you, you've had, as you said, a very colourful life. So what was your first job? Because I've always imagined you, as long as I've known you, to, to always been working in the volunteer centre. I know well, it sounds a bit that, mad. That's only been two decades and a bit, but uh, no, uh, 22 years here. But my very, very first job was bef before I left school, actually, is working in JB Pork Sausages in the summer holidays, and uh, which was um, a sausage factory, actually, in, in, in Newbury. And um, I worked there um, throughout the summer um, using a very large knife and chopping up meat you know for sausages actually <laughs> they wouldn't be allowed now I mean it'd be a health and safety nightmare but uh, that's what we did and I earned you know enough money to buy my first motorbike so to you know so I could you know on my 16th birthday I could get on my bike and and go off to school on it actually so it's JB pork sausages oh brilliant so <laughs> JB pork sausages yeah. Um, do they still exist? No, they don't. But the, um, Mr. Blackford, I think, is still around. Um, mm. Gordon Blackford and um, uh, one or two of his family members are still around. But yeah, they, they were around until you know the latter part of the last century. But uh, yeah, I think the family just the family business just you know like all the way of sort of small family businesses they couldn't compete with the the really big ones. But they probably would now actually because people tend to go for these more artisan type products, don't they? But uh, yeah, they went. But the, the land is still there. But it's now housing uh, development, oh. actually, so uh, yeah. just in, in uh, South Newbury. So, I mean, you know, how did you eventually get involved in, uh, well, politics? For a time, you actually got involved in politics. Oh, that you? was just by accident, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd had quite a career working uh, within retail operations and, um, mm. and worked for a firm of solicitors, actually, and, and also commercial estate agents. I was a, a senior negotiator for a commercial firm, having worked for a, for a, lawyers, a firm of lawyers. Um, but um, I eventually came back to Newbury to work in retail operations and just got very keenly interested in my own community because I'd been brought up in Newbury. Um, I'd become president of the old Parkonians Association and you know, got to know lots of the, uh, the old boys as it was because Park House was an old, old boys school when I was there. And um, used to write letters occasionally just to my local councillor to say, what do you think about this? Or I'm not very happy with that. And consequently, they knocked on my door and said, well, you know, with your attitude, really, you're, maybe you should think about becoming a, a councillor. So I, I said, oh, all right then, you know. So I, I put myself up and got in. And that was in 1995. So you've always had the ability, let's face it, to, to speak up. Yeah, yeah, I was born talking, my mother says. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can well believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was. And I, I, I it's... Um, Yes, I do care very much about how things affect people on the ground, really. And one of the rules I have is um, when local councils or anybody actually is doing anything or any policy change or shift, I say, does everybody actually understand this? And what I mean by that is, if my mum were to read about this, would she get it? Would she understand what this is all about, mm. really? 
and generally if my mum said that's stupid it probably is you know so it, it, it's I, th I think that's what I've tried to apply and always be honest and frank with people in the council chamber which doesn't win you friends all the time uh, but hopefully um, you know in the final analysis you know it's 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 better just to be say how you feel really because once it's been said it's been said uh, and that that's just my philosophy in life really be honest and frank with people yeah I mean you've as you said you you've been involved in lots of it haven't you but you know it does strike me as well as long as I've known you which is probably the last sort of seven years you really do have a lot of friends you have made a lot of friends within the community through the, the your work as well mm. you know you're always championing causes or trying to yeah. to help certain groups yeah well I think one of the things about having such an interesting career I've been in commerce I've been in retail so I've worked with businesses and large businesses and I've worked with you know the legal world and so forth and having been on the old district council before the county council uh, was was abolished back in 98 and town council so I've known my way around systems really I know my way around the local government and and you know health and so forth mm. and not everyone has that uh, has had that opportunity to get to know what how those systems work and so what it's given me is an insight into how you get things done and moved on really and so what I do is try and share that knowledge and experience of, of being able to uh, open doors for people really and, and as being director at the volunteer centre we support other charities and voluntary organisations community groups to try and achieve what they want to achieve because they they own their particular community their particular uh, area of work within their community and it's my job to enable them to do as much as they can uh, to achieve their own objectives and so if I can open doors for them, then I, then, then I will. And if it sometimes means kicking a door in as well sometimes for an organisation so they can do what they want to do. Because it's very easy for people to put barriers up, you know. I think, you know, definitely not everybody can use their voice, can they, which you are able to do for people. Yeah, or, or they perhaps don't realise the intricacies of, of getting things done. Working with local authorities is never as simple as people think. You know, I think certainly when I was on the council, I mean, this is last century now, last century, <laughs> um, I think, you know, people used to come up to me and say, oh, Gary, you know, can you, can you sort this and sort that? And I think the impression is that councils meet probably once a week on a Wednesday night and sort everything out all in one meeting. And the whole committee processes and democratic systems are very complex and the budgetary controls that are in place and so forth. So it's never, it's never as simple as just picking up a phone and sorting something out. There's, there's, you generally have to pave the way to resolve problems and so forth. So um, I think what I've, what, I've, what I've tried to do is just uh, explain to people that it's not as simple as just you know, picking up the phone and sorting it out once or twice that that can be that can be the way to do things but okay you, you really do have to plan ahead and that's what my experience does really is, is help organizations to plan ahead so they can get around and how to get their particular issue onto the agenda and getting it under people's noses I mean definitely yeah. that yeah. that's the, the the key issue isn't it I suppose with dealing with different parts of the community as well yeah it is knowing your way around the media and so forth as well is really helpful we've been blessed with wonderful you know communication in in, in Newbury for you know 
160 years, you know, we've had, as you know, the Newby Wiki News uh, has been a great organ for yes, local definitely. communities uh, and other newspapers have come and gone. And, well, it's and, so lovely to you know, see that they're still going. Absolutely, yeah, it's you great. Know. And it'd be a sad day when that goes. And I think people won't realise what they'll have lost if it goes, you know. And so, you know, I'm, I've every hope and uh, wish that it does continue in the way in the way it does because I love picking up the paper on a Thursday morning, you know, as many of us do. But you know, we have to move with the times, so, and I, I'm really, really very happy to see that the Newbury Weekly News, along with other local papers, have now got the uh, ILEF app, which is um, basically so you can get all of your newspapers that you know to your choice, your right. local paper online. Okay. So. Well done there. That wasn't well, actually a plug. You, but... you learn something every day. <laughs> Absolutely, in the middle of tea time. But back to um, opening doors for people. You actually had to, didn't you, in your role as mayor, open uh, uh, a door for a very, very famous person? Um, the Queen. Well, I didn't personally open it. Somebody opened it for us, actually. But, yeah, it, it, yeah we, we were very lucky. Uh, I became town mayor in 1996, which was... Uh, the 400th anniversary of the granting of the Charter to Newbury by Elizabeth I. And so um, we wrote to, uh, uh, by the Lord Lieutenant's office actually, to, to invite the Queen to come to Newbury to, to commemorate the, the granting of the Charter. And uh, she very wisely said yes. And, uh, <laughs> and so, which was a wonderful experience really. I mean, it was genuinely a wonderful experience. The planning of it was fascinating, meeting all the the people that surround the court and, and how the process works was, was fascinating uh, and um, many months in the planning and uh, and then next thing you know a dark maroon Rolls Royce is arriving outside the town hall you know with the most famous person on the planet popping out to see us. What were your great. thoughts when you first heard that she was actually going to come in person? Well, it was it was kind of um, the way it actually went was that I'd, I'd done a speech just at, just at mayor making, and the then Lord Lieutenant Philip Rawton, Sir Philip Rawton, I should say, uh, came up to me and said, "Well, you made a very interesting speech, and uh, do you think you might be able to build that in something of a program, you know, for for a royal visit?" So it was his suggestion actually that we that we wrote. So that that's how it came about really. So. Um, so, provided that the programme that was put forward was interesting enough, then you know we thought we'd get the nod that that she'd be coming. So obviously, I was absolutely thrilled when I got the confirmation that she would be coming. Then it was it was very thrilling. But we had to sort of proceed on the basis that there was a war on, top secret. You couldn't let everybody know all at once because you know there might have been changes to the programme, there might have been a cancellation due to some international incident, and so on and so forth. So you have to keep everything very close to your chest for quite a long time. Uh, and then you've got the sort of what I call the dad's army process of you know who's going to be invited and if you've ever watched dad's army like I do you know <laughs> well who's going to be standing next to the Russian ambassador or whoever it is you know it's 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 a tricky situation you've got to please a lot of people so yeah, diplomatic skills uh, are required and actually but uh, yeah so but it was wonderful when that car arrived and she popped out and uh, she got introduced down the line and eventually got to me then uh, I thought wow here we are so, which is, you know, for me, it was a powerful moment. And I think all the, the literally thousands of people in the marketplace, it was a powerful moment, you know, seeing the Queen get out of the car. She was 70 in that year. And, 
it was something that I'd actually witnessed myself as a young boy watching her come to Newcastle under Lyme for their 800th anniversary and I saw her walking with the then mayor in Newcastle under Lyme as a little boy myself so I've you know it's kind of Gone full, full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there, gone there full I was. Circle. So and there were lots of little boys and girls who were in the crowd watching it really and waving their flags and one or two said a few words to her as she did the royal walkabout. But hasn't she so. got a very difficult job, Gary? I think it's I think it's incredibly difficult. Hard I think it's hard work. Now it's not maybe hard work in the sense of uh us uh having you know, a, a hard day's work, but you're on duty the whole time and I did you know I've had said to people it's a bit like being mayor for the rest of your life because you've got to behave yes you know you've got to behave and, and for my 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 perspective on on the queen is that she's not put a foot wrong you know there's been incidents over the years and so forth but it, that where people have had a go and, and, and you know but I I think she's not put a foot wrong I think she's been an amazing amazing uh 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 monarch you she know, has for, been for, an amazing know, a, role model, just hasn't utterly she? Utterly respected, and I, and I think mm. it's wonderful, really. And uh, it'll be a sad day when uh, she must when have she moments yeah. as well, mustn't she? Where she just thinks, "Do you know what? I really don't want to do this today." I, I imagine so. I can absolutely imagine because you know you've got you put your right foot forward, and you've got to ask questions that you know. Uh, of everywhere you go and so forth and she must have must have asked a million people what do you do and how long have you been here and so forth and it is a skill and it's it, it's it's a small talk my own experiences were that the, the then uh private secretary to the queen sir robert fellows who came to the town hall yeah. a, week, a week before to just finally dot the i's and cross the t's he said to me he said well you know, you've probably been told to say, you know, ma'am rhymes with spam and so forth. Well, don't worry about things like that. Just say how you feel. Uh, and, and if you've got something to say, say it. He said, don't wait to be spoken to. He said, because you probably won't get another chance, you know. So, again, they demystified it a little bit for us. So it, it did feel comfortable uh, talking to her. Her responses were always very measured and considered and just lovely, really. So you felt comfortable and hopefully uh, uh, she felt safe and, and welcome in, in the town as she's welcomed in towns and cities up and down the land and around the world so uh, I think we did a good job yes yes job. I'm sure you yeah. did and I, I've seen the pictures of yeah. it, obviously so yeah. um and it, it did look like a a fantastic occasion as well for the people of Newbury I, I yeah. would think yeah. you know to be visited by the head of state basically yes I mean people stop me now they say oh I was in the marketplace you know or you know uh, you know, on that day when she saw the car and uh, waved, and she sp said a few words to me uh, as we walked around, and, and and that was really, really yeah. So it's always nice and gratifying that people you know will recall that. I've got one little funny story. There was um, with the people that she met actually in the town hall. We we wanted to get a good cross section of 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 the town, and uh, it was the two hundredth anniversary of the Lower Raymond Arms Houses. So we decided to have. Uh, one of the almoners from those almshouses and yes. one of the residents and we had a chap called Mr Wilkins who was a retired chimney sweep and uh, so we were walking around I said ma'am I'd like to introduce Mr Wilkins he was a, uh, a chimney sweep ma'am and now lives in the uh, one of the almshouses and she said to him oh Mr Wilkins that, that must have been a very dirty job and he said yes ma'am but I did have a bath <laughs> <laughs> so she just chuckled really. but you know okay, she just thought about a, you know appropriate question he just thought well yeah but I did have a bath you know <laughs> 
But um, but so she did. She was very switched on, and I think that's the thing. She listens very carefully to what people say. I think, and then responds appropriately. Mm. Really. Yes. No. I so, I have heard other reports that yeah. apparently she is um, yeah. never misses a trick. Yeah. You know. So Absolutely. the amount of research that she must have to do before she. Yeah, she's very fast on her feet too. I, 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 we were coming back up. We've been walking up the town hall interior staircase, the civic staircase, which is very grand, and we've got former mayors lined up. And I'd somehow managed to get onto the wrong side of her, so to speak. I should have been on the outside and she on the inside because we, I, I hadn't got my footwork wrong as we were getting up. But she's very quickly just sort of stepped across, and there she was. You know, she said, <laughs> she said "I know what I'm doing." <laughs> you know. Which is great, really. And then she met the former mayors and, you know, the only freeman of the town and, and so forth, which is lovely. Really. Yeah, no, yeah. it sounds it, absolutely. Yeah. So, what, anyway. what, yeah, a national treasure, because she is, definitely. Oh, my word, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that went on and you've since got involved, hadn't you, with being on part of the, the wider community committee for choosing uh, a Lord Lieutenant. Well, yeah, I didn't choose him. I, I was invited to become part of the process. Mm. So I got a letter uh, and a subsequent phone call from a gentleman who worked in Number 10 Downing Street and inviting me to uh, be part of the process of, of uh, making recommendations, actually, for uh, the, the, the next Lord Lieutenant for Berkshire, actually, who uh, the incumbent uh, Lord Lieutenant was uh, Sir Philip Rawton. And um, so I was invited, really, to come and be part of the process. So I had to go up to the civic offices, actually, in Reading, where the office of the lieutenancy is, and uh, be part of that discussion, really, and uh, about uh, how I felt as representative of the community sector, how the role should be fulfilled. Right. And um, who was uh, the the next one in line? I, I can't well, quite remember. Well, uh, yeah, the the, the the person that um, that uh, was was chosen was uh, Mary Bayliss. Of course. So, uh, so she she took up the role and did a did a fine job. I think probably for ten years, something like that. And actually, she did come and visit the volunteer centre for our fortieth anniversary. Actually, when we, in, we had a yard party here in Bolton Place. Yes, and, I uh, remember. Yeah, you came actually, didn't you, Ali? So, it, so yeah, we had a very nice time, and uh, uh, she did a fine job. Did a very nice sort of, you know. Um, I wouldn't say it was a thank you speech. It was more of a sort of acknowledgement, really, of all the of all the work that had gone on over many, many, 40 years. So it's it's very easy to be quite sort of, you know, short and sharp and sort of pat people on the back. But actually there was a bit more substance to that, yes. to, to what she had to say, which which was nice really. Because, you know, 40 years is, you know, a long time. So, it is a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I can't imagine the volunteer centre without you. Well, I've not been here 40 years. I'm barely over 40. But, uh, but, but the... Um, yeah, I've been here 22 years, actually. So, um, yeah, I was here for the 25th anniversary of the charity back in 1999. Uh, and, you know, for the 30th and for the 40th. Obviously, you have been through such a lot recently as the hub of the community in regards to, you know, the coronavirus you were basically, you know, like almost working in a war zone, weren't it, you? It was very much like that, really. We were part of the hub that we established alongside uh, the Greenham Trust and my friend Chris Bolton, uh, who runs that, and, and the local authority. And um, so we formed a sort of a three-way uh, partnership and the Volunteer Centre became the 
the central response team supporting people actually in, in the Newbury Town area, actually. So we were recruiting volunteers all the time for people right across West Berkshire, and we, and we referred them to the most appropriate local hub for them. So if somebody came and said, look, I want to give some time, join us time, and they lived in Cold Ash, then we referred them to the Cold Ash support group and or Hungerford or Tilehurst or Lambourne or wherever it, wherever it was. But of course about 300 people actually came and wanted to volunteer specifically in Newbury Town. So, so we obviously dealt with all those. And so you, you're right, it was like a war zone actually. It was a wartime spirit as opposed to a war zone I suppose. There was a, a real sense of well we've got to get this done. Mm. And, um, but it was hard work and it was quite um, odd if I'm honest, we, you know, coming into the office um, very early in the mornings, only car on the road, no, nothing in town at all. I felt it sometime, and I wasn't, but I felt as if I was the only person actually going to work, you know, in an office. But we had to be here. Our systems were here, um, and uh, our phones were here, and so the phones were glowing hot, really, with the with the requests for assistance by very worried members of the community. Of all ages and backgrounds and and different differing needs actually, so I think what struck me really was the eeriness of the street. I remember certainly very early uh, in April stepping out of our little alleyway in Bolton Place, which is opposite Camp Opsons in Newbury, and there was a queue outside Boots, the chemist, of without exaggeration about 120 yards, I would say, right. people queuing up to collect prescriptions for, for other people or, or themselves. And it was eerily quiet. P- some people were wearing masks, some, some not. This was before masks became kind of absolutely essential. People were just covering their faces anyway, but it was just odd. And, and, and I think it really struck a chord really uh, as, to, as to what a worrying and dark time it, it was. And, and I suppose it continues to be in some ways. I think mercifully really, uh, for the nation uh, as well as our own townsfolk here in Newbury mm. and the volunteers that were supporting people is that it was dry. It was a fine spring, you know, we didn't get wet. No. And otherwise, I think people queuing up outside Boots the chemist or all the other chemists come to that would have had perhaps a different attitude towards it and, and maybe there would have been some frayed tempers really. And certainly the supermarkets where they were queues too. Can you imagine, you know, just waiting out there, getting ringing wet and the queues moving very slowly. So uh, mercifully the weather was kind. Otherwise I think there would have been a different a different atmosphere, I suspect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, may I say thank you on behalf of, you know, the West Berkshire community as a citizens of West Berkshire because, you know, quite frankly, you worked extremely hard. You were like the Red Cross of uh of the the well, local with the local you know, place it, yeah it, we, we had to be here you know it's it, and it's it wasn't just me i had a team of people here working volunteers and um and a couple of my uh, paid staff came in throughout actually uh, they came in throughout and in fact did even more than would normally be expected of them um and of course hugely supported by the willing residents who wanted to become those respondents those those volunteers i just being good neighbours actually that's what you know so that we, we're, we're all grateful to them you know there was it was everybody there was no particular hierarchy of needs in terms of their age profile their social profile it might have been a very elderly couple 
living in a big posh house somewhere, but who had no other means of support, maybe no friends or relatives nearby, yeah. couldn't go out, worried about going out, never been involved with any social care needs at all before, all of a sudden they were stranded, didn't know what to do. And so, you know, volunteers were helping them too. So it wasn't about means, it was about their, their emotional needs support. really and that, that they wanted. So yeah, it was very interesting. It was very inter and continues to be. I and mean, we haven't we haven't ceased this response yet. We're still no. doing it for people who are still isolating because they absolutely have to, or people who are still very worried. So we still continue to do that in small ways, and we just have our fingers crossed that it won't get ramped up again to the same order of magnitude as it was, you know, in March, April, May, June, uh, when it was at its at its darkest. I would think. So uh, yeah, so fingers crossed that uh, here in West Berkshire, anyway, uh, we remain, you know, as safe as anywhere, really, if not safer. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, you don't really know in the middle of this global pandemic, but we you know, I, I completely understand what you're driving yeah. at after yeah. the amount of work that you were doing every yeah. day, because yeah. you know you were incredibly brave and putting yourself virtually on you the do, front line. You do wonder, really, whether it was, that was foolhardy. I'm not sure it was brave. I didn't think of it in that way some people said it was brave i just felt that well you know if we didn't do it who else was going to do it really we were the natural go-to organization that would be here to respond to these uh this this these set of circumstances and it's a bit like a soldier saying joining up to, you know to you know to be a you know to, to be a soldier on the ground and then a war breaks out i said well i don't really fancy that i won't be going you know in, in the same way well we're here this is our job We'll take as much care as we can. We'll sanitise everything and we'll wash our hands and make sure everyone cleans their keyboards and phones and desks and door handles and so forth. But, you know, you are taking a risk. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And with the, all, all the risk assessments in the world won't stop, you know, a droplet maybe finding its way into your eye or whatever, you know, and that, that's, that's just bad luck. You have to try. But I certainly didn't feel it would have been right for us to turn our back on it and said, no, it's not for us. Well, you certainly um, didn't. And, yeah. you know, I, I do hope that people understand that, you know, you've you've actually done a great amount of work here. But that is nothing new, really, mm. for you, somebody like you, Gary. And I know you don't take compliments easily, but, you know, I can remember quite a few years ago, you first sort of coming up with the idea of volunteering and helping people with mental health issues. Yes, we. Um, it's an ongoing situation, and certainly uh, people with uh, poor mental health, mental illness, but let's, let's call it what it is. You know, for some people, um, they find it hard to go out the door. Mm. You know, and it's a real, a real scary thing to go out the front door because you probably think everyone knows that you've got a mental illness they're all looking at you in some way it shows on your face and so forth it, you know deep psychological problems can come along with with mental illness and so what we did we created a little pathway really to enable people to be able to do a bit of volunteering uh, by having a supporter come along with them initially just to hold them ha hold their hand maybe literally hold their hand out the door to an hour a week of some something or other somewhere yes. where they'd feel supported and safe and if that went well an hour a week the following week and so forth until such time actually and it generally happens quite quickly you can let ha let go of their hand and let them uh you know walk in there freely and do it and, and we've we've seen some lovely progression actually where people have actually gone on and 
you know, said, well, great, water off a duck's back now. Here I am doing this. In fact, I'm doing a lot more, doing every week. I'm looking for a job. We've had people have actually found jobs within the organisations that they've been volunteering for as well. So, so it is well worth the investment. Yes. And so what we did with that really was to uh, not only um, train some volunteers to be called, become sort of volunteer mentors for people, train them in first aid for mental health so they could understand the sorts of issues they might face when supporting people, but most importantly, or as importantly, training the host organisation in first aid and mental health too. Because if you refer someone to an organisation, generally they're looking for a volunteer to help out. They haven't necessarily got the resources to be able to support that person all the way through the day. But actually, and that's because they might be worried of uh, about how the person may behave. They might get upset, uh, and if suddenly, suddenly, somebody suddenly bursts out in tears and starts getting upset, you've got to know what to do. So we've given this first aid training as well to organisations. So that way, when somebody does come in and start to do a bit of volunteering, and suddenly they get tearful or a bit panicky, people say, "It's okay, fine. Go and have a cup of tea. Let's go and have a sit down and a chat." You know, fifteen minutes later, let's move on. And carry on again because it's not to be you know afraid of it's just a question of not knowing what to say and because it's mental health people always get a bit worried about that really because of the because of the, an ancient stigma that might be attached to madness yes it's kind of it's you know yes. that's really that's what it is you yeah know, i mean but, it's yeah. it's moving forward it's isn't moving it forward. and yeah. you know yeah. i mean you've you've got you know people like the royals the young royals the younger yeah. royals who have yeah. stepped up yeah. and you know done heads up and things like that yes. but you know here at the volunteer center you have really moved with the times because you know it was how long ago now not not that long ago that you started the suicide oh prevention. the suicide prevention group yeah well we started that in may 2017 yeah uh, so we established the West Berkshire Suicide Prevention Action Group, uh, working with the local authority and, uh, and others. We, we brought together about 20 different organisations, voluntary, charitable, special interest groups, people who are concerned to bring down uh, suicide. And so what we've done, and in fact, actually, we had our meeting today and we're, we're talking about uh, training for people, actually how to be able to talk to someone that may have presented with suicidal thoughts and how to deal with that and all the resources that you might need. Which phone, who, who do you call? You know, Samaritans, Papyrus, the Campaign Against Living Miserably, Talking Therapies and so forth. If there's an immediate need to, to support someone uh, or the, the non-immediate needs, sort of people like Time to Talk um, and uh, uh, other organisations who can sort of you know, create a pathway to recovery with ongoing counselling sessions and so forth. So, so that's what we've been talking about today, really, is getting, again, getting resources out into the community so that you and I, who are not trained psychiatrists, can actually appreciate it's OK to ask certain questions of someone that might be presenting to you with suicidal thoughts, mm. really. It's, it's OK to ask that question. Have you Have you felt suicidal? Have you thought about taking your own life at any time? Because, you know, it's OK to ask that. Are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? Because the science says that it's safe to do that. And by asking somebody the question, it affords them an opportunity to say, oh, no, I, I definitely haven't felt like that, you know, because this, aren't the other, but actually I have. And you say, well, have you thought about how you were going to do it? Because, you know, what we need to do is make a plan to keep you safe. You know, have you phoned your doctor? You know, you know you can ring Samaritans any time you like. You know you could ring 
you know, the campaign against Living Miserably or Papyrus or, or Shout, as, you, as you've alluded to, with the Royals and so on. There are lots of resources there for people. So what we're trying to do with, this, with the Suicide Prevention Action Group is just to alert everybody, I mean literally everybody, to the resources that are there. Uh, to, to be able to help someone really and it is okay it's safe to ask somebody how they are you know feeling you mustn't be afraid of it I suppose it's a bit like saying because actually if someone's feeling suicide it's not your problem it's no. their problem and what you're trying to do is help give them, them help them really so you mustn't go and say oh god I've got this massive problem you know it's their problem you've got the resources take a breath take the time and, and say have you thought about this tell you what let's meet for a cup of coffee this afternoon or tomorrow morning I'll come around for a drink tonight and we have a good old chat and so forth so what you're always trying to do is create a little plan keep them safe or and make sure they've got the, the essential resources and if there's any imminent danger of course if, if they think well I'm actually thinking you ring 999 or ask them to ring 999 or say I'm going to ring 999 really. yes because ultimately you know people talk about confidentiality and so forth keep them safe you know, that's got to be a priority yeah. hasn't yeah. it you're I not mean. going to end up in jail for ringing 999 to save someone's life no yeah quite yeah. and that that yeah. that is the key isn't it i Absolutely. think protecting yeah. somebody yes um which yeah. you know again it's something that you've brought to the forefront especially in the local area i think it's good to speak the language that everybody speaks really you know, rather than I don't speak local authority or, you know, technical speak or professional language, I use the language that my mum might use to talk about subjects. And if I'm talking about then hopefully everybody will mm. appreciate what we're trying to say and try and try to do. Uh, we, you know, we're just creating, you know, I think good communication actually is what is what it's about in, in easy to understand terms and and, you know, easy to access resources. Well, especially the fact that, you know, you are basically the hub of the community here. I mean, you know. Well, we're one of them. You know, we, we are one of them. I mean, mm. you know, as to volunteering and our community services, you know, whether it be our transport services or our befriending services, or, you know, the, the, the recruitment, the suicide work. Importantly, we are the CVS. We're the local infrastructure body. We support other charities as well, other charities as well so they can go about their work and, and assist them. So, but we're we're not the only hub. There are there are other other, you know, people that people do things as well. Are, yeah. You know, and uh, and the very best thing you can have is a local street that does its own thing. You know, in terms of helping one another, isn't it really? Because actually, ultimately, that's what we want is to be all good neighbours to everybody. And uh, when was the point though in your work that you actually thought, this is me. This is the role that I have in life. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've. I've, I've often thought it's about vocation. I've always liked matching people up and well, introducing have a people. Agency, yeah, Gary. maybe I should. Maybe that's you know I'd be a multi-billionaire now uh, if I'd started a dating agency mm. really or a matching because it's about understanding what goes well together. And I still because I think I may have mentioned at the beginning of this this interview, Ali. You know, I'm from the Midlands. We just talk to people. Yeah. Whether you know them or not, we just talk to people. We're friendly. We're outgoing. Really. But I think for me, I, I, when, I, when I'm in a meeting, I'm thinking actually it would be really good if they were talking to so and so. Yeah. And there, there, are, you know, there, are, there are a variety of ways that you can do that. But I generally do it on the phone. So listen, I've been talking to so and so about what your work. It'd be brilliant if you went down there to see them, actually, because you know you can make a contribution to that, and actually they can help you to achieve what you want to achieve, as well. And there's nothing, there's nothing wonderful or magical about that. It's just knowing and understanding and listening. To, to what the community needs and uh, I think that's where our strengths lie and it's really a question of 
applying that to as many organisations as, as we can, really. Wow, Gary, what what a life, really. So do, so do we expect, yeah, so far. <laughs> so so do we expect you to, to be here for the next 20 years then? I doubt it very much. I've been around the block a few times now, Ali. I've, 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 I've seen people come and go, actually. And I think one of the, it's great to have all this uh, accumulated knowledge and experience and hopefully some wisdom. Um, but actually sometimes you think, well, we've gone through this before, you know, this particular discussion before. And you think, really? You know, I so I don't think we ever learn. You know, it's a cycle, <laughs> isn't it? It's a cycle. You know, people come in, otherwise, you know, uh, everything would be perfect, wouldn't it? If we'd always learn by our mistakes, everything would be perfect by now. So you have people being born today who will be probably making the same mistakes in 25 years time. That, you know, so it, that's just the way it goes, really. Hopefully, hopefully we've created a bit of corporate memory, you know, but uh, no, so no, I won't be around. It certainly won't be here. I hope I'll be walking on the earth in 20 years time. I'll still be a relatively young man. But uh, no, I, 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 um, uh, I hope someone comes in here and takes over and, you know, is, does, does a really good job and, and, and that the, the community at, at large recognises the importance of having a volunteer centre or a similar sort of organisation in the community, really. Uh, there are lots of us up and down the land doing different sorts of things, but ultimately we're there to, to try and help people to, to, uh, to, to, well, to support what they want to do. So, a future with your feet in the sand then, Gary? Feet in the sand. Oh, you mean on a beach somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would that'd be quite nice. Some warm water, about 27 degrees would be perfect. Um, <laughs> we'll see. So, yeah. but um, with yeah. you and and Deborah, you're... yeah, that's right, my wife Deborah, and uh, with some new hobbies, you know, as well. Great. So that's the next uh, chapter. Next chapter. And so, you're actually quite theatrical as well, Gary. Yeah, I I've done a bit of that and um, little plays I've been involved with, and I play one or two musical instruments and. So, uh, yeah, I've got lots of interests, really, and uh, coffee as well. I love a cup of coffee. Yeah, well, we know that, so, Gary. We know that, so... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally Renowned addict. in Newbury totally for addicted. his cups of coffee. Totally <laughs> addicted. It's what keeps me going. Well, thank you for coming on Tea Time. So... Thanks, Sal. It's been a lovely cup of tea. Yeah. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.